Consider supporting the podcast over at Patreon for just a dollar a month. Link below and in the description. Okay, so Preston, uh, we're going to start doing uh, these uh, mini episodes for the Game of Thrones podcast because essentially we are on a hiatus, quote unquote. But we, I still like to discuss uh, Game of Thrones every now and then. We just we're not going to do like an hour full. Is that alright with you? Sure. I mean, we say we say mini podcasts, but you never know. We we'll see what happens. I mean, there's there's times where we just shoot the shit, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, three days pass. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to hear us about uh, talk about like uh, Norwegian women and how uh, down the fuck they are. Oh my god! <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, uh, from Patreon, Alberto, he says, "Question for you guys: What are your thoughts on R plus L equals J? I personally don't like it because it seems to make the story simple and small. But what are your thoughts on it? Also, side note: In the previous podcast, I was surprised to hear you guys say that John in the books is a boring character." And I was curious as to why that is. I mean, hasn't George been regarded as a genius when it comes to writing interesting characters? Um, mm. I don't. I don't think we need to go into what the hell R plus L equals J means. But uh, what are your thoughts on it? Or do you want me to go first? Um, I mean, you, you can go first. But uh, yeah, it'll be. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, let's see what you say. <laughs> I, I, I got to agree with Alberto here. When I first heard of the whole R plus L equals J theory was from Comic Book Girl 19 Stark video because back then I wasn't too like into the whole Thrones online community and hmm. even reading the books on my own. I never really thought to p- put any of the pieces together, you know, considering the clues kind of come in random sections here and there and in different books and how it's never really on the reader's mind about who his parents might be. Like, why should we really care about that? Or at least it's not like super focused on we're more worried about like what's going on with danny and ss or if Tyrion's gonna get out of this jam you know we're not you're not really focusing on john's parentage especially when he's kind of boring for a good chunk of book two and some of book three hell he's not even present for book four so it's definitely one of those things you'd only catch if you're either looking for it or rereading the books over and over again which is something you've done um Hmm. but but personally i do feel like his parentage is something that is cliche and it kind of disappoints me about his character if it turns out to be true in the books at least because i like the story of a boy who had to earn his place amongst his peers as well as their respect instead of being born already with those things the show has it locked down but it could still be changed in the books which i hope happens but i don't know like i I would love for it to like i would love for it to be like heavily hinted at that he is their son only for it to surprise with a nope he's not he's just ned's bastard I think that would be like be I it would be a really nice slap to the face if it turned out to be that way. Yeah. Um story-wise at least. Yeah, I mean, so I'm trying to trying to think when when the when the first time if I had figured it out or somebody told me um I think I think I must have heard it in a conversation first, but mm-hmm. it's funny cuz like so I don't think I I figured it out on my own. But the um, but the only reason is because there's so many characters, and you you have you have the next book to worry about. So like, well, the first time you read through, you're not sitting there processing it because you're like, oh my gosh, I've got thousands of pages to go, and so you're reading fast. You're reading it like a Stephen King book rather than a George R. R. Martin book, like not realizing that it's so dense. Like you're just kind of getting to the next plot point. Um, like like a page turner book mm-hmm. and so only for that reason i think like you just kind of pass it up you just don't even think about it being important um liana and Rhaegar are these tiny little minor characters that you're not even thinking about you're trying to keep track of of all of these other characters um 
it only starts getting into the you know if you if you just had game of thrones by itself like the first book by itself um and you had to analyze and think about that it's not a difficult riddle in the sense that you have one missing you have one person who doesn't know who his parents are and then you have a baby at the tower of joy you know and and so it's not it's not that hard to like piece that together um and so in that sense i think it's kind of too simple of a puzzle and so i didn't like it in that sense like oh in the first book we have one person who's looking for their parents and then we have a a mystery baby like Mm -hmm. ah it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't difficult the only thing that was it's not a difficult riddle the only thing is that like you're not looking for it because there's so many characters and there's so much story um and you know, but my problem with it later when I started thinking about it is it actually gets into kind of the last Jedi issue of this book. The main purpose of it is to show that war is horrible and the political system is horrible. And the main thing that's wrong with the political system is that it's still built on divine right. It's still built on on heritage and what house you were, you know, what house you were born into, and it rests on that—that that there's something like special about our genetics, and that's that's kind of very insulting in a, in a modern society where we're supposed to be all judged by our own personal merit, which is actually what the Last Jedi is all about, right? Like, isn't it insulting that? the Jedis have this birthright that you're born into being a Jedi and only the Skywalker clan can do it. And therefore divine right, they should be ruling us all. Um, Wait, is, is, last, that, is, is that, is that what you got? Cause, cause yeah. uh, do, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to burst your bubble here, but uh, it's not only the, you, even Jedis who have kids, I don't think sometimes they, their kids don't have like a strong connection to the force. Um, not everybody who uh, is a, a Jedi Fuck, how is it again? I, I remember the lore. Basically, the, the people who can be Jedis are those who have a strong connection in the Force. And sometimes they're born into people without Force abilities. And I don't think it's only the, the Skywalkers who run the whole Jedi Order, is it? Right, but I think it's like I think it's supposed to be a a um a genetic de- genetically determined thing. Um because you have at least the, the the father to children, Darth Vader to to Luke and Leia kind of thing, and mm-hmm. then if you go prequels, you have midichlorian counts in the in the in their cells, and then Force Awakens though changes that. I mean, not Force Awakens, Last Jedi changes that all because at the end you have that random that random kid at the end has Force ability, and so I guess it's the idea that now anybody can be a Jedi, like anybody. This is now opened up to anybody. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, the metaphor for the political systems. Like before, ruling was about kings and their families. But now, you know, we have we have democracy. Anybody can be president. Literally anybody that can be president. And, 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 the, uh, and you know, it's a it's a more, um, you know, it's a more popular uh, egalitarian kind of kind of system. Um, and the problem with R plus L equals J and actually any of the equation situations is you're still saying that, no, the people that should rule us all are these elite. And that goes against certainly George R. R. Martin's beliefs. It goes against, you know, modern political belief. If you're really trying to criticize the political system, which A Song of Ice and Fire does, these, these, this birthright crap 
<laughs> needs to be ignored and broken down. Um, and so in, in that sense, like I, I don't just dislike R plus L equals J. I dislike it all. And even, even in the sense that I say all R plus L equals D and the different theories I had, I'm saying that even though you know, I think about those possibilities, I think that would be crap too. I think all of the birthright heritage stuff is horrible. I think it sends a horrible message that we should be looking for the rightful king based on their birthright. We should. So, be so you hate it based on based... like like based on what George writes about. Like you hate it basically because it's it's a horrible system in general. It doesn't. That's why it, you do. it goes against it goes against the fundamental theme of the story. Mm-hmm. Now I you know I and I can understand people that don't want that in the Last Jedi because for seven movies before that that was not the theme. Okay, the theme the theme of Star Wars was never isn't it a horrible world that we that were ruled by elite because you know Star Wars never addressed the the concerns of the people and the average Joe. It was a story specifically about you know Luke Skywalker. When the, when Alderaan got blew, blown up, we didn't see any average Joe dying. We saw none of the the trauma. Mm-hmm. But A Song of Ice and Fire. It's all over. All we see is the death and destruction that, and, and how it affects everyone. The, you know, the, the lowborn, the highborn, and, and what a horrible system this whole, this whole thing is. Um, and so it, it's such a, it would be, be such a letdown. And, you know, and I'm hoping that even if R plus L equals J is true, that, that Jon Snow does not rule that the ruler is not him like you know i'd rather have it be oh after the fact after john is dead everyone's like oh wah wah he was really (laughs) the king you know like that that would be more george r R. martin and maybe fit with it all but it's this whole like he is he has the birthright to be the to be the savior to save us you know based on prophecy it so goes against everything george r R. martin believes and writes about that that the fact that it's like in people's head canon kind of kind of annoys me that that oh no you know a song of ice and fire you know it's going to end with this big prophecy battle of Jon Snow defeating you know the others and becoming king and you know fulfilling you know being coming the last hero and ending the long night and it's like ah you haven't been paying attention to a goddamn single word of the story if you believe that because <laughs> there's like the whole book is it's anti-religion it's about free will it's anti-prophecy like all of these things like are in there like but everybody kind of accepts that it's going to be harry the story it's going to be harry potter or and star wars you know that you're just going to have this divine right born into it you know privileged kid that's just handed the ability to save the world and saves the world but I don't think John. Uh, I hate to defend John Snow for a minute, mm. but I don't think John was handed the ability to save the world. He he's a bastard. Even though he was raised in like kind of a royal household, he had to work yeah. up to everything he got. I mean, he started at the lowest of the low in the Night's Watch, eventually working his way up. That's why I kind of like his portrayal in the show a bit more versus thinking back on it now versus yeah. his portrayal in the books because in the books, he just kind of is landed onto stuff. But in the show. As much as I hate that they didn't introduce cold hands and they had John go out there and kill the mutineers, it does mm. it does elevate his position to take over a bit more. Even though he is essentially just a what in his late teens, early twenties, 
Yeah. I kind of like that more. He works up towards being in that position, you know? He goes out there. He recruits people to fight back against the Boltons. He gets stuff done. But I Hmm. I don't like the whole cliche aspect of R plus L equals J. You hate how it's just not within the themes of the book. I don't like how cliche it is. I would just like it if just John is just an ordinary bastard who worked it, his it way is, up. It is. It is very, very cliche. Now, on the bastard thing, and this is admittedly something that, that I think George R. Martin did very poorly. Um, he he equates bastarddom with, you know, being a, a dwarf or being a woman or being all of these other things in this universe, uh, being crippled, um, that... that frankly are much much worse (laughs) and what what um what's sad is you never really see john suffer for being a bastard yeah he gets made fun of and it's like a big deal like you know i know people born with the name richard who get made fun of like you know some people are really tall some people you know have a big mole on their face like like he gets a called a bastard and you know um, you know, boo-hoo, he doesn't get to be Lord of Winterfell. Uh, but, but doesn't, still but doesn't his be... suffering come from within, though? I mean, he knows I'm that... I'm hoping that's the point. Well, yeah, I feel like even though he does have Stark blood and he does live in Winterfell and gets to sit with the Stark children and play and fight with them, he's still on the inside alone. And it, and it doesn't help that, like, Catelyn made it worse sometimes, but... It is an internal struggle on his part to be among friends and those you cherish and wonder if they feel the same about you. I mean, like, Preston, you have siblings, so it's kind of hard for you to understand. No offense where I'm coming from. But I'm an only child, and to me, growing up, my friends essentially became my brothers and sisters, in a way. But what I understood very quickly is that they might not have felt the same way, considering many of them had their own siblings. And realizing that can be very lonely. It can be a very lonely thing. Which is why I kind of identify with John in a way. Because, yeah, he has Stark blood, but he's not fully a Stark. Which means he's not fully one of them. And you mentioned the whole, like, well, you know, them... It's not like being a dwarf, and they're not really, like, marking him over it. But just mentioning it can hurt. I mean, even if Rob and Arya and Bran went out of their way to prove it otherwise, like, at the end of the day, you just can't shake that feeling. Mm. Even if they include you internally, you just feel like you don't belong. I mean, and and the thing is, is everybody, no matter how, um, you know, how rich and well-off someone is born, they'll always think that they're somehow not rich and well-off. And they'll they'll, they'll 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 think that they'll think that they, like seriously growing up like I hated being tall and I thought I thought it was a curse and then later on in my adulthood I'm like oh crap no I'm sorry what was I thinking like <laughs> that was really stupid of me um, but there's a lot of things like this I mean I know people that you know that that yeah that that grow up you know in in completely privileged situations that that really think that really have a chip on their shoulder because they're like oh man I never had a break because of X. And you're like, really, dude? Ugh. And when I read when I read John, that's that's how he comes off to me. Like he 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 comes off as a bitcher and a moaner who had a freaking great life, and and I guess I'm really hoping that that was George R. R. Martin's like intention that he wasn't actually trying to make him a you know an underprivileged character that that has now risen to. 
uh, uh, you know, a position of power all on his own merits because he's not a person who rose to anything on his own merits. You know, um, he's elected Lord Commander because he's Benjamin Stark's nephew, uh, largely because, you know, and and all these other things, not to mention the, the fact that there might be, you know, scheming going on uh, and, and, a, and a fake election. But all of these things that he's, you know, and he's a good fighter because he had training given to him by his parents, you know, or by his father, you know. So um, I hope that people don't read it as John is a self-made man. And I know a lot of people do read it as John is a self-made man, which is funny. Um, I see arguments constantly uh, on Reddit about who is self-made, Danny or John. And some people are like, oh, Danny is so, she's so entitled and everything was handed to her. And then the argument, the argument is like, well, what is John, you know? And, and really you think Danny's entitled? Didn't she like achieve uh, an army on her own? Didn't she, you know, conquer these cities on her own? And, and people would be like, oh, but she was just handed these dragon eggs and just, they just happened to hatch for her. Wasn't that's all getting handed to her. Well, everything is kind of handed to John too. Um, Does you know, Club his, for his, Carl in the show kind of make fun of him at that during the, the, the hut scene? And that's the thing is what, what, what really frustrates me sometimes is that you have these, you have these hints of, of knowing from the writers like in, in season six, Davos makes a, makes a, uh, a speech about how perhaps they shouldn't be following kings. And then immediately he follows John as a king. And I'm like, ah, you, you, you had said the right answer. And then you immediately went back on it. <laughs> You're, you, guys, you guys were almost there. Um, so, so, that, 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 it, so, yeah, I mean, I do find the John character problematic. Um, I think he would be less problematic if, and this is how I see the book's heading, is I would see it less problematic if John had risen to be the king of the wildlings, that he had become king beyond the wall. Like that, I think, is a better path for him. That would be one him earning, earning everything on his own, like finding this culture, um, liking this culture, uh, rising Earning their up, trust because to them royalty means nothing. Right. Now, that would be a better plot, and I hope that's where they're going in the books um, for him to, to be, to be uh, a king in the nor- or king beyond the wall. Because now all of the northern armies are pretty much dead or dying. The only army that's really left is the massive wildling host north of the wall. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that's where, the, that's where they're going with that. But that is a compelling story to me, you know, him, him becoming the leader of the wildlings. Um, and being trusted as this outsider and things and things like that and thinking that that uh, you know all people are one and and um, not being handed you know something to, you know because he's a Targaryen and everyone everyone's sitting back and going oh you know birthright great you know um, yeah but what about him him being boring uh, Albert Al- <laughs> also asks. Uh, why we think he's boring. Um, I think you've touched on this so many fucking times. It's, it yeah. comes down to him being the bathroom sign. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In, in my opinion. That, that he's, he's purposely, which is also the why, the why he's the one that everybody relates to. Yeah, that he's the bathroom sign. He's, he's, the, most, he's the most basic character that anybody can say, oh, that's me. You know, because he's, he's nobody. And so, therefore, he's everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, he's super boring. Um, 
But why do you think George did it that way? I mean, if I were really going with George's other work, he was going that way because he, he plans on killing him off. That that he's not the hero. Um, like, it's it's incredibly rare that George R. Martin has a, a boring, uh, you know, white male, heteronormative like character be be the main protagonist who like wins in the end he he takes those characters and he kills them usually or you know the you know something else happens it's just um he likes to he likes to have women be the protagonists or he likes to have an interesting strange character be the protagonist whether it be a you know a a, a dwarf a little person or a you know um anything else but the uh yeah, for for someone like John, that's it's it's exceptionally basic for George R. Martin. Um, you know, like the protagonists of his of his of his books tend to be different. They tend to be like, I mean, Fever Dream. The protagonist is Abner Marsh, a morbidly obese, um, gruff riverboat captain, um, and you know, and uh, the uh, uh, the protagonist of Armageddon Rag is a down and out like reporter um you know he'll have he'll have like seven feet tall seven foot tall um black genetically engineered woman in in night flyers you know it's there's always something interesting about them they're not you know keanu reeves it's 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 very rare for for a character (laughs) like Jon snow to be to be there um which is why i've always been so suspicious of r plus l equals j is, is that it's so cliche and so basic that it just it just seems like ah would he really do that would he really be keeping a a 25 year secret that's supposedly the key to the whole story and then it's the the most basic thing it just it just seems all weird like imagine if imagine reading harry potter and being like oh you know you know you know what secret harry potter is the chosen one and you're like really i like that's the big secret like I had to wait seven books to to learn that. Like, mm-hmm. come on! Like, you, at the you'd be like, that's the most disappointing thing ever. Of course, Harry Potter is the. You're the angering hero a lot of Harry Potter one. fans, and there are a lot of them. All, no, there are a Harry lot of them Potter, hiding out there. But Harry Potter, no, look, like, I mean, look, my wife, my wife loves Harry Potter and will sing the praises of it. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it, but, but from what she what what she says that these those aren't the, the same issues that are explored. Like that's not the point of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a takedown of the political system. If it were, you wouldn't have these two, you wouldn't have muggles being this special secret race that, that <laughs> is better than regular people. I mean, <laughs> this complete racist, you know, structure, but wait, wait, that's muggles not the are, point. Muggles are humans. You mean the, the, the wizard people? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Wizard people versus muggles. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Again, I haven't read the books. So. And you mentioned Last Jedi. I think that's something good that Last Jedi did. Thinking back on it now, that Ray's parents are nobody, yet she has all this potential. Yeah, I, um, like I mean, and that's that's one of the reasons why I've come around a little on Last Jedi. Is is you know that's a really that's a really good. I actually really like the fact that Ray's parents are nobody. Like that's fantastic. Because they should be nobody. It should, but then again, Ray didn't really. What I don't like is that Ray didn't. She was just kind of gifted powers randomly. Like I she wish, wasn't gifted I wish powers. She... I think. I think. I think what they're trying to do with it is, is that they. I. I. They. People used to call her a Mary Sue, and I did as well. But um, <laughs> gonna come from the Last Jedi thing. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think the reason Rey is so good at what she does is because Snoke did bridge her mind together with Kylo, and she was able to learn off his own experiences. And, you know, she's a quick learner. That I can understand yeah. completely, living off on her own, surviving on her own. I, I get it. I can understand her learning off Kylo's own ability and all that. And not only that, he was weakened when she beat him up and shit like that. So, But, no, I do like that her parents are nobody, and I would have liked that with Jon Snow as well. The one thing I'm really coming around to is R plus L equals D. I, I would like that if it is Danny, Because, um, thinking back on it, even you said it before, too. I think you're the one who, who uh, brought me on to this was uh, during the first book, Ned only really thinks about John like once, and he thinks about Danny multiple times. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's, it, it's I mean, the, the, the Ned story is, the Ned story is essentially two things. The Ned story is discovering who Cersei is and discovering who Robert is. And the discovery of Robert is all about him wanting to kill Danny and, and, and Ned's struggle with, with him wanting to kill, you know, a, a little girl in, in Ned's mind. Um, and so, you know, that those are the two plots for Ned's story. Um, and so the fact that like everybody makes everything about John, like, well, John's not even in Ned's story. The other thing about, you know, R plus L equals J is it doesn't really, it has, n it has no relationship to anything in the story so far. Like it doesn't affect any part of the plot so far. And yet everyone's everyone's you know assuming that it's going to be this big thing when when it it hasn't affected anything nobody cares and it's not like John Connington is sitting around going oh man who is <laughs> I wonder if Rhaegar had a had a secret child with Lyanna in the Tower of Joy like it doesn't affect anything like Cersei's not sitting around going oh man that Lyanna Stark like it's just it's it's so irrelevant to everything um, I mean if it comes back together I don't know how. Like, I don't see how any of the characters would sit around going, oh, man, that's really important. You know why I think it's it, like people are so attached to that theory, though? It's because it's it's like an it's, it's like an open secret. And to be in on it makes you like feel kind of like, ooh, I know even though we read the same book, I know I know a bit more than you do. So, you know, I'm in that yeah. position. You know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. Yeah. It's, it's easy to understand as well. And, you know, it, it makes it's a very complicated tale. Uh, a song of ice and fire and so it's it's a way to um understand the story uh, in a very overly simplistic manner but and i think in a in a, in a way that's incorrect um which is which is which is sad <laughs> i mean like a lot of people when they talk about like like some people think and i remember comic book girl um 17 like saying this that she <laughs> believes that 17 whatever 19 no it's 18 go ahead <laughs> that she had said that she believes that John is the song of ice and fire that somehow that having like um, uh, genes from from Rhaegar and genes from Liana are somehow two songs that are coming together and it's like well George R. R. Martin has never in any of his writing described um, like genetics as songs like songs are, are stories in all of his in all of his stuff they're all like and stories are people you know or, or collective consciousness and he talks about songs being collective consciousness all the time like you know the you know what exists between like bran and old nan like why is old nan still alive in bran's mind you know because old nan has become song um 
this relates to Westworld, I guess. <laughs> when people die, when Chopin died, he he became music. But old man is the only thing that's left of, of her in Brand's mind is her song. Mm-hmm. And so a cl- like the the ghost of a person, the collective consciousness of a person is the song. And so a song of ice and fire is more about like what is the collective of ice the the story of ice and the collective of fire and the story of fire the, the ghost the consciousness of all of that so um i mean we even hear like the the children of the forest are the song of earth the people who sing the song of earth like they're a werewood net they're a collective like that's what it's about so when you say collective of ice i think you know maybe it's the others and a collective of fire maybe it's you know something to do with valyrian magic but you know that has nothing to do with John, like in any way, <laughs> and so that 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 also frustrates me because it's just it's not it's not even a you know it's not even examining what what a song is um, in in the story, mm-hmm. but eh. oh so many problems with so many problems with it, but um, but yeah I mean everybody everybody says I'm I'm uh, I'm just in in massive denial and and. The show has already confirmed it, and I just need to accept it all. And, well, and the show goes its, its own it's... route. But let's wrap it up here. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on this mini-episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. Feel free to give us more suggestions on what we should cover next, because due to the size of these mini-episodes, we'll be able to dish them out more often, hopefully. Also, be sure to leave a like and a comment if you enjoyed. And if you want to hear even more mini-episodes, behind-the-scenes discussions or stuff we cut out, due to time constraints, or you just want to help out the podcast, then consider supporting it over at patreon.com slash redteamreview. I'll leave a link in the description below. But once again, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.